I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me, in our interview with acclaimed writer Anusha Rani, the playwright behind the award-winning show Buffoon, available now on Play Me. Hey Chris, you and I both love getting a chance to talk to writers and finding out about what goes into crafting their shows, but it's really an extra treat when we get to speak to people who write novels as well as plays. I find that there's such a lovely poetic quality to the work, and I'm really interested in how the literary and theater worlds cross over. Absolutely. And Anoush is such an accomplished novelist and playwright. He's published four critically acclaimed novels, including The Parcel, which was the finalist for the Governor General's Literary Award, the Rogers Writers Trust Fiction Prize, and the Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize. His anthology, The Bombay Plays, The Matka King, and Bombay Black, and his show, Men in White, were also finalists for the coveted Governor General's Literary Award. And his solo show, Buffoon, won the 2020 Dora Maver Moore Award for Outstanding New Play. It chronicles a clown named Felix. He was born to circus folk who preferred trapezing over parenting and learned to turn his misfortunes into jokes. I got the chance to speak with Anoush over Zoom while he was in Mumbai, India. We talked about how clowns are truth-tellers, why he looks for the wound in his characters, and how his protagonist, Felix, presented himself and demanded his very own solo show. This is my interview with award-winning writer Anoush Arani. I want to start by asking you about your playwright's notes. You write that when you were young, you had a grand aunt who used to love to paint portraits of clowns and that there was one in particular with haunted eyes that fascinated you. You write, whenever I was alone in that room, I'd stare in his eyes in order to figure out what happened to him. What's behind you? I wanted to know. Can you talk about that image? Sure. That is one of the defining images of my childhood. I would say there are a few things that I remember that are seared into my memory in a very deep way. And I started thinking about these things when I started writing, you know, years later as an adult. And, uh, you know, my family uh, had a farm in a, in a town called Dano, which is about three hours away from Bombay. And my grandmother's sister, um, she was an amazing artist and she used to paint portraits of these clowns. And there was one, uh, there were two portraits in in particular. And uh, there was one with just the eyes. And um, 
I remember my grand aunt telling me that the eyes are the hardest to paint. And um, that always stayed with me because there's, you know, something about the human eyes, uh, which at the time being a kid, I didn't understand exactly what she meant. But now, now I do. It's a, it is having to do with the truth and how the eyes can sometimes betray you if you're not speaking the truth or they reveal pain if you're trying to mask something and it was almost as though i felt this magnetic pull from from this painting of the clown uh, and it was all in the eyes and i almost wanted to look behind the painting and and see who was there and i and i think that's really what writing is is you have the sort of veneer the surface and it's about okay what's behind this image what's behind this human being so uh, those two paintings that the, she did um, definitely stayed with me what do you think it was about clowns that that uh, captured her imagination that made her want to paint them i don't know i never i never had a chance to to ask um, uh, unfortunately she passed away uh, you know before I could ask her those questions, because I was still very young when she when she died. But um, for for me, I mean, the the thing about clowns is the ability to make someone else laugh. But um, you're not necessarily fulfilled, and and that's the case with a lot of comedians. I mean, even if we we look at you know the biographies of of stand up comedians, some of them. Uh, geniuses, but I don't know how fulfilled or I think happy is the wrong word, but um, I, I do be, no one knows what goes on inside a human being. And and that's what interests me about clowns. I, I, I don't, I think clowning is an extremely difficult art. Uh, sometimes clowns aren't funny and that can be a, a huge problem because they need to be, that's their main aim. But I, also think they're, they're truth tellers. You know, they, they tell the truth. If you think about it in ancient times, you know, kings would always have the jester around and the jester was there for entertainment, but the jester was the only one who could get away with sarcasm and, and mockery and all those things. He was really the only person allowed to tell the truth without being beheaded, so to speak. And your character of Felix, um, there's just something so poignant about portraying a clown who has been denied the most fundamental of, of relationships. Do you feel like, and you answered this a little bit in your, in your previous question, but does tragedy always have to go with comedy, do you think? I, I, I think it depends on the perspective of the character. So if it's someone who's a comedian, if it's someone who has a sense of humor, then I would say absolutely. Uh, they, they counter the, the emotion or the painful event with a lens that helps them survive, uh, but is also necessary. They're able to almost uh, live in a parallel moment where something painful occurs but they see the human that the lines have already begun i mean the brain works uh, the brain and the body works in a different different way so it depends on the character i would say not every single character of mine will be able to find humor in a tragic moment I think also what really um, captured my imagination about your playwright's notes was the parallel that you drew between 
the character of the clown in the paintings and your your relatives and their abilities to tell these, um, you know, larger than life stories, but that there was pain uh, beneath those stories. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. It's it's all about masking, you know, you and this is something, again, I think I noticed as a child because when I look back now, I realized I'm a writer, not because I can write prose or because I can write dialogue. I mean, those things are essential, but I was a good observer. And my family taught me how to tell stories. And I learned how to observe human behavior and what goes on behind the words and the storytelling. And I always noticed this sense of, of pain or a sense of loss or a disconnect or something. I, you know, when I was very young, you're, you're unable to pinpoint it. You can't articulate what it is. But there's an uneasiness in them that I detected. But the veneer was extremely brave and entertaining and powerful. You know, these were forces of nature and I, I loved watching them. Uh, I had tremendous love and respect for them. So it's it's because of them that I think I'm a writer, you know. I think I read um, in my research for this interview that when you're creating a character that you look for the wound in the character. Sure. I, I think I write from the wound in the sense that if we think about it, we are all wounded in some way. When we live our daily lives, sometimes we'll say something or we'll do something that is unconscious. And that comes from a point of deep pain. Something has happened in the past, something that hasn't healed. And, you know, as, as writers, we always talk about something that is character driven. How do you write from inside the character instead of just focusing on plot or events? And the way to do that for me has always been, how is this person wounded? You know, if I find that point of pain, I almost root myself in the wound. And then whatever unfolds, you are able to capture the inner life because uh, it's deeply connected to that pain. So I, I always write from the wound. I wonder where the character of Felix comes from. Where, how did he show himself to you? Felix was an interesting character. I would um, I don't really like the word interesting, but I would have to say the um, journey has been quite complex because way back in 2003 or some 2004 or something like that, um, I had been commissioned to write a play by the National Arts Center. And uh, it was a play called Manja Circus and it had five or six characters. It was a magic realist play set in a circus and one of the characters was a clown his name wasn't Felix but it was a clown uh, and um, he Aja was a character in in that play the woman he's in love with there was Aja's father but it was a sort of ensemble it was a family piece and I worked on it for a for a while and then one day you know Felix literally walked out left his fictional family on stage and said, I want my own play. And um, I love it when that happens, you know, your characters take over and, and demand things. And one of the things I always wanted to do as, as the years went on, I wanted to write a one person show because uh, I have tremendous respect for that particular form. It's a very difficult thing to do. 
and I've loved the plays of you know Ronnie Burkett and Daniel Daniel McIver, Morris Panett, so on. And I thought, okay, this is something I'd like to try as a playwright. But I gave myself one condition that there will only be a single chair on stage. Whatever happens, that's it. And um, that forced me to rely even more on Felix and his wound. And uh, for the longest time, I kept, I liked talking to my characters. You know, I, I ask questions uh, and then I just listen. And I kept asking myself, why is he telling us his life story? You know, why is he telling me this? And finally, when I realized who he was talking to, that's when everything actually made sense. Why was he talking to us, the audience? That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because the idea of um, setting a play in a circus with all these um, beautiful, colorful characters. I know uh, we were excited from an audio perspective of, of the landscape that that affords for, for a listener. But when I look at images of the play on stage, as you say, it is uh, a, a very gray, sad, a single chair. Even the, you know, the clown is not a clown with a, you know, curly hair and a big red nose. Why did you create uh, such a stark aesthetic to, to match this, this beautifully colorful world? Well, the colorful world is his imaginative world. The The starkness is the starkness of a prison cell, which is where Felix is right now. He's in jail and he's telling his story from prison. So that is his reality. And to counter it, when he tells the audience his story, then he sort of allows it to burst into into color. So again, it's it's contrast and it's a constant reminder even for the audience, which mind you, they forget because, you know, once Felix starts telling his story, you actually forget that he's in prison. And then he, once in a while, a clue comes across and you realize, oh, oh this guy's in jail. Uh, so it was uh, just to, to root it in, in the dark reality of the play, which is, again, the reason why he's telling the story. As a writer, do you like to build in constraints like that for yourself? That um, this this story with all these characters is just going to have one person uh, portray these characters, or I'm going to just have a single chair on stage, but I'm going to tell the story of you know f- people flying from the trapeze. Do you, do you like to sort of give yourself those kinds of rules to to create in? I think sometimes it's essential because it makes the um Writing even stronger. I think sometimes when you have too much room, uh, you don't get enough depth. I, I always remind myself, don't write length, write depth. In other words, don't keep swimming on the surface. So if your surface length gets reduced, then you're forced to become a deep sea diver. You're, you're forced to go down. And uh, sometimes the restrictions help. Uh, it's, it's different for every different story, every play. Um, my play Bombay Black uh, was a three-hander. It started out as a two-hander. I said, okay, I just want to write a two-hander. But a third character sort of tore through the fabric of my mind and the play and just demanded to be there. So I love it when that happens. You know, the characters surprise me within the play, but then an entirely new character emerges and demands to enter the world that you have created. So. It depends. 
I just wonder when you're when you're writing these kinds of characters that are dark and maybe on the on the edge, does it affect you um, as a writer, as a person to to go into the um, mental space of people that are in so much pain? That's a good question. I think the research definitely has an impact. The writing doesn't. So when you're, for example, if I'm writing about someone who is, um, you know, a victim of sex trafficking, as I did for one of my novels, I mean, that's a very painful space to enter. You know, you interview sex workers, you, you come into contact with people who have really been through, through trauma. Um, and listening as a writer requires empathy. If you don't know how to listen, you can't write. And people will not open up to you if, if they sense that you're not fully present. I mean, if they have been hurt and they're sharing that pain with you, I think it's my duty to accept that pain. And I can't shield myself from it. Um, so the research process, the interview process can be difficult and it takes a toll. The writing for me is a release. Um, so. Sometimes I, I, I enjoy writing, not sometimes, I think I always enjoy writing characters who are gray and uh, who have that darkness and who can explode at any moment. There's something coiled inside of them. And it's that sense of danger that makes the writing exciting, that makes the plot unfold in a way that I don't expect. Even I as a writer, after some point, I have no idea what these characters are going to say or do. And that's what makes it uh, fulfilling for me. I wonder, um, because the, the circus is not not an, a world that, that many people get to inhabit, what kind of research or how did you get into the that world? So again, I didn't focus so much on the world. Initially, I just stayed with Felix and I kept trying to find out who these human beings are because the human beings will, really, uh, will sort of... Um, how do I say it? They will uncover the world for you through their eyes. If I, as Anosh Irani, focus on the world, it's purely my perspective. But if you go through the character, you're, you're already creating a sort of refraction. And uh, that's what makes it uh, unique. Like, what is Felix's take on the circus? What, what is Aja's take on the circus? They have different perspectives, even though they're so close to each other. Um, so, so that's really what I look for. And in terms of research, of course, I, I read a lot about circus history. Um, again, paintings. I just kept looking at images of clowns, um, watched a lot of, you know, Buster Keaton and not, not just Western clowning but i looked at you know storytellers from india how their bodies move um how they use hand gestures to convey uh, something that is in contrast to the words the, these things may or may not uh, show up in the play but they inform me uh, they they make me confident of of then um creating my own path After I read the play, when I was was thinking about it um, before we we talked today, I was thinking about the similarities between the theater world and the circus world because they both share thrilling moments, and there is brutality in in both of those uh, live performing arts. And uh, 
maybe we're feeling a little bit more, or at least I'm feeling a little bit more sensitive to, to those right now. Did you, did you draw from, from the theater at all for, for that experience? I think the, the main thing to keep in mind for me, well, first of all, it's a good comparison. The, the, the similarity for me is that they're both dangerous. You know, in the circus, you have danger as an actual physical thing. When you have people performing stunts, they're risking their lives, right? Uh, in theater, the danger is slightly different. It's more existential because you, you can fail in front of a live audience. You know, the playwright can fail, the direction can fail, unless everything is in perfect harmony. Um, a play will not work. It's the same thing with the circus. Everything needs to be to 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 work in unison. It's teamwork, and and so is theater. And that's what I love about it, and that's what I think uh, makes it um, so dangerous. But the only thing I kept in mind was that at the end of this, why is Felix telling us this story? He's on stage, so you have to acknowledge an audience. It's a one man show. Why is he talking to the audience? What is the connection between him and an audience? And I did not want to exclude the audience from the storytelling. He's, he's pointedly telling us this tale. He's performing for us um, with a specific intent. And that sense of urgency, what is he trying to do in the telling of the story? That's all I kept in mind. And that's what theater is, intention. You know, there's an intention and... It's very specific. It's very pointed. You don't just go off in all directions because you're trying to accomplish something in the telling of that tale. I and mean, if you look at Shakespeare's monologues, the monologues aren't so that we understand the characters in a world. Sure, they exist for that. But, you know, when, uh, for example, Mark Anthony, you know, gives his famous monologue, um, he's, he's trying to manipulate the crowd. Right? There's an intention there. So why is Felix telling us this story? I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity, available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. You talked about trying to figure out who Felix was talking to, but once you worked that out, did you know how the play would end? This took me years to write, in the sense that, uh, like I said, it started out in 2005 or something like that, and it was produced in 2019. That's a ridiculously long amount of time. But I kept working on other projects. Um, every once in a while, I would go back to Felix and his opening monologue. And it was funny. It was, it, everything was there, but I didn't know what the point, what was the point of the play? I, I, I had no idea. And I don't know when I found the answer. I think it was during my conversations with, uh, you know, it's, it's, to be honest, it's quite a blur because it's it's had such a long gestation period but i knew the moment i figured one or two elements out i knew i had something really solid in the sense that i had the ability to move people and that's what i'm interested in doing making them laugh is great but you don't just want to write clever dialogue or funny dialogue at the end of the 
of the day, an audience needs to be moved. I like punching them in the stomach. You know, I like making them laugh and then taking them by surprise. And that's what Felix uh, gave me the opportunity to do. You can't help but feel so much for the character of Felix because he's He's gone through the worst things possible. He's been physically and emotionally abandoned by his mother. And then Felix turns around and does a similar thing. I'm wondering if you set out to explore generational trauma in your play. I wasn't exploring it consciously because I I didn't know what he was going to do at the end. Right. But this rejection. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's the wound. You know, he's a wounded child is a wounded creature and i know i know of people who have experienced that and sometimes it's nobody's fault circumstances make certain things happen you know there are external forces there are other uh, deaths there are financial there's so many things that cause people to make choices they get squeezed in an almost unbearable manner and they're forced to do something which goes against their nature, but it happens anyway. And someone else gets wounded because of that. So that's what I meant by what I said, I write from the wound, I write from that place of rejection. And so everything he does comes from him being rejected, a fear of abandonment. Now, what he does as he grows up um, is anybody's guess. You know, so I, I don't have a fixed plan I I didn't even know what he was going to do or what the climax was until, you know, one day I figured, okay, this is why he's in prison. I, I had no idea why he was in prison. I just saw him in prison. So we, we don't know where these things come from. Uh, the images come from the subconscious. And I think as writers, uh, for me, I just think it's my duty to follow that image. You know, follow the lead. You're like a detective. You you get a clue and you have no idea where it's going to lead. And that's the fun fun part of, of the journey. These resolutions that you have, do they come to you when you're writing or do they arrive at other times when you're doing something else? Both, I think. Uh, but the most important part of writing for me is is the preparation. And that's when you figure out the subterranean world, you know, the underground, the underbelly of the characters that you're exploring. And and sometimes it can come at the most mundane moment when you're having a conversation with someone else or you're watching a film that has nothing to do with your play. And suddenly you ask yourself a question. There's this familiar feeling that comes. Um, and you, you can't articulate it because it's just a feeling. And then I stop whatever I'm doing and I just start making notes. So the note-making process is really, really important for me. And I, I, it's something I enjoy because that's where the real discovery happens. And then, of course, uh, once you start writing, the character says something that you would never expect them to say. And you wait for those moments. Right? Initially, it's your job as the writer to sort of uh, you know, I loved what uh, the playwright August Wilson said that uh, I, I think he said that he gets his characters in a room and he just listens to them, you know, and, and that's so true. We, we, we do that. We, we bring one person in. I always look at it this way. I, I bring my protagonist in and then I ask myself, okay, who is the one person he, 
he or she absolutely does not want to see. And then that's the person who enters the room. Right? And that's the conflict. That's the uneasiness. That's the disturbance. So you follow the disturbance. Once you follow the disturbance, you find the natural path uh, that leads to the climax. And I, you know, this word redemption, I hear a lot of the, the word redemption that's being used. I mean, you said resolution, but I'm, uh, the, the, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, in, in writing class and, you know, people talk about redemption, uh, especially in film and so on. I, I don't know if it works for me because not, not all human beings, even in life, have a chance to redeem themselves. There are a lot of things that we may do that we will never be able to redeem. I, I look for some kind of healing, right? If I'm wounded, what I really want is healing. Now, what does that actually mean? Healing can mean something different for every single person. So the journey is from being wounded to to healing and the amount of healing that a person gets could be minuscule. It could be just a spark of something. So I, I like following that trajectory. I'm speaking with you today and you're in Bombay, India, where you were born and raised and then you came to Canada in 1998. I'm just wondering how um, living in those two countries and uh speaking the different languages, immersing yourself in the two cultures. How has that influenced your writing? I think the physical distance, you know, I left Bombay in 1998 when even the, the name of the city had changed. It's just, it's called Mumbai now, but I still refer, refer to it as Bombay um, because that's the place I grew up in. Um and then moving from India to Canada, the, the difference was so vast that it was very, um, it was very jarring for me. And Vancouver is a place of beauty, as I've been told repeatedly uh, by people <laughs> <laughs> who, who visit it. And it's true, it is. But when I first moved there, I felt incredibly isolated. But that isolation was the gift that I needed. Because it made me go so deep and inward that I only focused on reading and writing. And it's your, your focus on craft that makes you a writer. And it's also your reading, of course. And finally, it's who you are as a human being. So I think that separation from home really created some kind of, I, I guess that was my wound. It created some kind of rift inside of me. There are two selves, you know, the one that longed to go back home and the one that was really excited about this new journey. And I think that's a great place to write, write from. Uh, it's, a, it's a terrible place to live in, but as a writer, that's, that's useful. So that really helped. Do you feel at home in Vancouver now? Do you have two homes or are you home now and you return to where you live? I don't think you can ever go back home. I, I don't know if that ever happens. Uh, there are moments where I feel okay, but um, I don't know. So I, I always say, yes, I have two homes and I have no home. You know, it, it feels like that. There, there are moments where I feel very much at home in Canada, then in India, and then 
most of the time you are um, looking in. You're on the outside looking in. And again, as a person, that's not a great feeling. But as a writer, it's a tremendous uh, vantage point to have. I understand uh, that you grew up uh, a very short distance from the infamous red light district in Mumbai. And I just want to know how that might have influenced uh, some of your characters that you write. I know that it was um, uh, very instrumental in your novel, The Parcel. Yes. Uh, so when we spoke about uh, the clown image as being an image that uh, was really important to me, I think one of the earliest memories I have um, this is a really early memory is of the red light district it's afternoon it's more like a photograph that sort of sings into my memory it's it's afternoon and there are these sex workers standing outside a brothel and um, I can see it from a height and the reason for that is I, my mother was carrying me on her shoulder or, or just you know uh, as we were walking through the red light district because it was a shortcut to get to my grandmother's house. I, I remember this very clearly. There are certain things I remember even though they were way, like when I talk to my cousins about them, they're surprised that I remember those things because I was that that young. Um, so it's definitely had a huge, huge impact on, you know, the red light district. Again, uh, one of the main reasons why I'm a writer because you learn how to not judge human beings. You learn how to not judge your characters. And uh, the biggest problem I find when people read is sometimes they start judging the character or the character's actions. And if you're a writer, that's, that's absolute death for you. There's no way you can create a compelling, complex character if you start judging them at the same time. But because... I lived so close to the red light district. My world was, even though my world was safe and I would say innocent, whatever you could call it, just a few hundred meters away, there was a world where there was no morality. And I noticed that as a child, that why are, why are things different for me? Who's looking after these people? Why are there no rules, no law, nothing? Right. And so what do you expect these people to do? And I, and I saw that, that you cannot judge because they live in a different world governed by a different set of rules or no rules, you know, so that definitely had a huge impact. We touched on it briefly, but, um, you're a, a very well-renowned novelist as well as playwright. And I'm just wondering as a writer, what's it like for you to go between those two mediums? There are certain, you know, stories that arrive in a particular form. But they're just such different mediums that that's the part that I enjoy. I always feel that every playwright should write a novel and every novelist should write a play because they're both equally hard. You know, the, the novelist does not understand economy. Well, let me put it this way. Not all novelists understand economy. And some may argue that it's the novel's right. I mean, to, it can be a sort of monster. And it, and it can be. It can be a thousand page monster. But the question, it doesn't need to be. Only if it needs to be. Um, but I just love these two different 
art forms and like i spoke about it earlier the element of danger in theater live performance is electric like opening night for buffoon you know opening night for bombay black for all my plays those are i i feel the electricity and when it lands when the audience feels that final punch it's exhilarating and then the stage is empty it's over that moment can never come back again and i remember this feeling even for a uh, there was a moment in bombay black my play which we did in india where i was in the audience and i was sitting next to someone who didn't know i was the playwright and there was a moment in the play it was at the climax so not the ending but the climax where the character smears sort of ashes um or it's not even the climax sorry it's like a dark night of the soul moment where she smears the ashes of her dead husband on her face and the woman next to me just went ah oh, she just did that and i could feel the entire audience doing that at the same time and those are moments that a novelist will never experience right you you will never experience that as a novelist but at the same time the joy for me as a novelist is the ability to live in a cave for months and months and months and just live in this universe and take those bends and turns that i will never be able to take when i'm writing a play or a short story you know writing a novel is like going through a dense jungle you're in pursuit of something you have the scent of something you smell something and you're tracking it but suddenly this you you see this clearing and you can stand there for a moment and reflect you can meander for a bit and then come back and follow the scent all over again um but in plays you can't really meander for too long so that they, they they fulfill different parts of me I guess playwriting is a more collaborative experience where if you're writing a novel and you have these characters, you know, you'll never get to see somebody experience it um and you'll never have somebody interpret it like you would in a play. I know um Buffoon has been performed I think by at least 3 actors as of now, is that right? So what was it like to see different uh, interpretations of Felix on stage? I think that's a gift because all three were highly accomplished and extremely different and that's the the beauty of theater is the same script you get a different feeling uh with 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 every actor because you're working with a different mind soul and body you know someone is lending their capacity and their humanity and gift uh, to the part that you have created and um I was lucky to see that you know when it came to you know the the tarragon production we had anand rajaram who performed all the shows and then at the arts club we had because it was produced during covid we had two actors and two two entirely different teams and so th- that was quite surreal because you saw it with one actor and then a show later you saw it with someone else but um, i think that's a rare rare gift when that happens Were there interpretations um 
wildly different? Did, did, did you get different things from the show? Like, what was that like to see? It's moments. You know, it's it's the moments are interpreted differently. And I think the director, Lois Anderson, did a fantastic job of letting each actor create those moments with her. She didn't prescribe anything, you know. So it's almost as though I think, and this is what I feel, she didn't tell me that. But she had to almost keep secret from one actor what the other actor had done with that same moment. She had to let the actor find his way. Um because she did not want to enforce a particular view unless it's something that's out of character. So all they had was this this character, but then they brought their own voice, their own uh, bodies, you know, to, to it. There's not many people in Canada that can say that they make their living as a writer. I wonder, what's that been like for you? I think I've been fortunate, I would say, that my work did well in both genres. I do teach now. So it's not like I make my living full time from my writing, but I did for a long time uh, work solely as a writer. And it's a lot of pressure. Uh, the, The biggest challenge is being okay with who you are financially. I think that's the biggest challenge that... I have faced as a writer because you get reviewed in the Globe and Mail, you get profiled, your work gets translated into different languages, you're invited to, you know, different countries to do readings. You work with brilliant editors. When it comes to theater, fantastic directors and designers and dramaturgs, actors, all of that. And it's, it's all of that is a gift. But at the end of the day, you have to be okay with getting your fulfillment from that. And that's always a struggle. And I, and I wish that writers who wrote literature, I, I wish there was a larger audience for that. You know, for, for people who read literary novels. Uh, I wish there was a larger audience for plays like Buffoon. And mind you, it's not that I don't like musicals, I do. Uh, so I'm not saying that I'm just saying that for someone like me who, who writes stories that, or creates characters who, who are always on the edge or who are looking in or are not your mainstream characters. I've been fortunate that two of my novels have been bestsellers. I've been fortunate that my plays have been produced not just once, but several times, but it's still not enough financially. You know, so I think that's the biggest, biggest challenge. But the no, the knowledge that you're affecting people, that, that you're sharing a piece of humanity for you is enough to sustain or to overlook the challenges of it. You know, that's the, the, the ongoing struggle always as an artist and you can be financially successful and, and be, you know, an amazing accountant, no, no offense to accountants, but that's the, the power, I guess, in writing is the ability to touch other people, even though it's, I know, such a financial struggle. It does make a difference, but you have to allow it to fulfill you. At some point, reality hits you and you always have to, there will be that struggle. Right. Until you reach a point where you're you're so famous that you don't have to worry about those things. And then you can just create art. 
but for many many writers that may never happen not because they're not brilliant or it, it's who knows why these things happen and awards play such an important part in in the writing process especially when it comes to novels um but i think the ability to move people the ability to tell stories to to create some disturbance within people that then causes them to go on a search to challenge their existing world view that's what i'm interested in and it makes my life meaningful and and there are moments in my life when i've been at readings or after a play when someone comes up to me and says something that stays with me for a long long time i mean i i may not remember their faces but there's always that form i i remember very specific moments um and and some of them are so personal that i i can't really repeat them but they have to do with huge things like the loss of a child or um you know being rejected or they 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 deep wounds and it takes a lot for them to come up and and say that this book meant a lot to me this play meant a lot to me also when an actor uh, or uh, a young playwright says you know i saw bombay black years ago or i saw buffoon and it it's one of my favorite plays you know that's huge because now you've you've inspired a young person uh, you've given them the the courage to keep going on so those things and and plus you know i love exploring the human condition you to to be able to do that for a living um is is a gift i wake up every day writing about felix i wake up every day walking through the red light district even though it's painful i know it's purposeful i know it means something i think the fact that you say that you teach is very evident in the way that you speak i i think a lot of writers would would be very inspired to hear you talk and i just would love to ask you if you have any advice that you would feel comfortable sharing for for people who are are in the earlier stages of their their writing journey advice i'm not the greatest with with advice but i think i will say that work on your craft you know craft and stamina those are two things that go hand in hand because you have to be patient there's no rush you have to make sure you understand the nuts and bolts of writing and please read carefully please uh, pick and choose and be very selective when you're reading literature because you are what you eat you are also what you read and if you read something that's mediocre or if you think oh there's no harm in reading this it it can actually harm you because you're picking if that's all you read you're picking up bad habits uh i'm not being um, sort of elitist or snobbish about this at all and i'm not talking about I- i'm just saying that make sure that you read high quality literature whatever that may mean to you I think that's excellent advice. Also I'd say um with Play Me we we read plays a lot obviously to choose them for the podcast and so I really appreciate when when a play reads well. Mm-hmm. 
because that's the only way I'm going to know whether it's going to work for a podcast. I can go and see a show, but it gets confusing whether it will work for audio when I see the visual. So it's wonderful to read and your, your play reads so beautifully that it, um, and it's in a book form now, which I, which I have here. And, uh, yeah, it's just such an immersive, beautiful experience. I just want to take this moment to thank you so much. It's been a tr true pleasure to get to speak to you and for you to stay up <laughs> late to, uh, to connect. And I love this play and I'm so honored that we get to share it on Play Me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for, for choosing Buffoon and I'm sure Felix will be thrilled. That was Laura speaking with playwright Anusha Rani about his show Buffoon, which you can listen to anytime on Play Me. We'll be back next with the Governor General shortlisted play, Selfie, by Christine Katana. Three teens grapple with the aftermath of an alcohol-fueled house party. Until then, you can hear Play Me on the radio every Sunday at 9pm and on Wednesdays at 11pm on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius XM. And you can always listen to the dozens of plays we have on Play Me by award-winning writers. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Theatre or Instagram at PlayMePodcast. Play Me is produced by Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley in partnership with CBC Podcasts. A special thanks to our CBC producers, Sarah Clayton, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is R.F. Norani. Our senior director is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is an Expect Theatre production. For more information about our plays, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.